Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, it's going to be a little unusual tonight because I don't have many verses to go through. But we are going to start in Matthew 11. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 28 through 30. It's a set of verses that you know well, I'm sure. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's got a couple of things going on here with what he said. First of all, he said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Then he says, learn from me and you'll find rest. So that's two different things that he's talking about. But he starts off by saying, come to me. So therefore, he is the goal that we ought to come to. He's not going to come to us. I'm just say, tell you that right now. He's not going to come to us. He came to us 2,000 years ago and opened the door and made the way and says, now you come to me. Isn't that right? Yeah. Amen. So coming, why is it important that we come to him? Because that's your statement of faith. You know, if you come to him, you must believe that he is, yeah. that he is what? That he is exactly what you need. You've yeah. come to him because of what you need. You have a need, so you're coming to him. So you come to him as a statement of faith. You believe that he is what you need and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, what does he reward you with? He rewards you with what you're coming to him for. So if you're going to sit and wait for him to come to you, he's got nothing to reward you with because he rewards faith. Isn't that right? Amen. So he says, come to me. And that's very important. But who's supposed to come to him? Those that are weary and heavy laden. Now, the word weary means to be fatigued and weary with labor. All right. You could be weary from battle, weary from pressured, difficult times. You could be weary from carrying heavy loads in life. He's not talking about you worked hard and you're tired. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a mental disposition of fatigued weariness. It's the toil of life that, G, that God talked about when he talked to Adam and he said, by the sweat of your brow, you will toil the ground. See, that's part of the curse. And to live in that toil is curse, is the curse. To live in the fatigued mental disposition of weariness is part of the curse. So he's saying, come to me. And you can be free from that curse. See, it's all about a condition of the soul. Your, your soul, he's, he says, come to me. You're weary in your soul and you're heavy laden. And heavy laden means that you're overloaded. You're heavily burdened. You know, when I lived overseas, I drove a little 1964 Isuzu Bellet. And um, we needed four tile for the house. So I went and got four tile and I filled that car up with four tile that the frame of the car was almost down on the ground. The wheels were almost riding on the rims. The tires were so flat because the car was quite loaded down. It barely made it. Well, I thought I was going to blow out all the tires before I got home. But you see, that's what heavy laden is. It's being overloaded and overburdened. It's emotional stress. So weariness is a disposition, a, a mental disposition of fatigued weariness, but heavy laden is emotional stress. So we're saying if you are mentally fatigued and weary and from toiling, and if you are emotionally stressed, then come to me and I will give you rest. Now, to give you rest, the idea of him giving you rest is the idea of working someplace and you get a lunch break. You get to stop working, take your lunch, but when lunch is over, what happens? You go back to work again, okay? So when he says, I'll give you rest, he's not talking about some permanent rest. He's talking about a momentary intermission to the burdens and the loads of life. Amen. A, a momentary break from the mental fatigue and emotional stresses that you're experiencing. 
See, there's a lot of people that think, if I just get into peace, everything will be okay. Momentarily. But you're headed back there. What are you going to do? It's like a lot of people got, I'm just, I got so much going on. I just can't take, I need to go on vacation. Son, you're coming back. You're only getting a momentary break. You are coming back. What are you going to do? Work extra hard because you're going to need another vacation. So what he's talking about here is a momentary intermission to the burdens and loads that we're carrying, an intermission to the mental fatigue and the emotional stresses that we're experiencing, and to be refreshed in our soul before we carry on. So here's what I want to ask you. Is that what life is all about? You get a momentary break. We're having emotional stresses. We're fatigued mentally, but I'm getting a break. And that's what my life is about. I get run down. I get overburdened, but I run in and get a break. But then I come back out. I get overburdened and I get fatigued and I get weary, but I run back and I get a break. Is that what life's about? Shouldn't be. It's not what life's about. It's not the way that it is. But he's telling you, if you need a break, come to me and I give you a break. Momentary intermission to your burdens but then he goes on to say in verse 29 take my yoke upon you now to take means pick it up you have to pick it up he's not going to come and yoke you together with him it's choice this is all about choice you need to pick up and carry my yoke so the yoke means to be coupled together you know like oxen that get yoked together Okay, so to be coupled together with him instead of being coupled together with the burdensome things of the world that you're connected to. He's given you an invitation to disconnect from the ways of the world and connect with him. Amen. And I'm just going to tell you this up front. You don't connect with him just because you're a believer. You're yoked together with him in servitude. You're not bound together with the world's tyrannical system of loads, burdens, and bondages of the soul. That doesn't mean you don't work hard anymore. You can work hard and work yourself to the bone without being burdened and being overloaded, without being wearied and having bondages in our soul. If your soul is free, your life is free. Amen. Amen. So he says here, take my yoke upon you. Well, how do we yoke together with him? Learn from me. You yoke together with him by learning. When you stop learning, you're stopped yoking. Are you with me? So he says, learn from me. And learn from me, it means to be instructed in wisdom in order to understand instructed in wisdom in order to understand. Now, we've talked about the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, right? We've talked about the data. We talked about the revelation, and we've talked about the application. We've talked about all of that over the last few weeks. So he's telling here now, he says, learn from me, be instructed in that wisdom in order to and for the purpose of getting understanding that you would endeavor to, desire to, and seek to bring this wisdom and understanding into experience of life, which is knowledge. That you would walk in knowledge. Not head knowledge. Amen. So become, to become related to him is to know him. And knowing him is knowing his teaching and abiding by it. So to learn from him is to grow in and to learn to live by the living word of God in your heart and in your mouth that touches your choices and becomes a lifestyle. When you make it a lifestyle, roller coaster living is done. When you decide to make it a lifestyle. You know, I was just talking to Dr. Dan on the phone just before service, and he was saying he was reading in the Bible about the man that, that found the, uh, uh, I think it was the pearl of great prize or the great treasure in the land, and he went and sold everything in order to get it. 
You know, and he's read that over and over again, but then all of a sudden when he was reading it, something came alive in him. And as he was saying that, this is what came alive in me. That's right. You will not have a good life unless you sell out to Jesus. You can't live in a tyrannical world and think you're going to have the blessings of God. You got to give it your all. If you don't give it your all, you don't give in anything. I hate to tell you that. Living by the living word of God in our heart and our mouth that affects our choices and becomes our lifestyle. We can only learn from him and his word of instruction and data. You can't learn this anyplace else. It's like the apostle Paul. When, you know, when, when he was on the road to Damascus, you remember, and he fell to the ground and, and then... Uh, in the book of Galatians, it tells you, he says he, he was in the, 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 the deserts of Arabia for a number of years, being taught specifically by the Lord. So now you have the same invitation, learn from me. He didn't say go learn from a book or learn from the, go. He said, learn it from me. He wants to teach you isn't the holy spirit your teacher and isn't the holy spirit the spirit of jesus learn from me this is the only place you can learn from him his word is a word of instruction a word of the data learn from me in order to get understanding so that the wisdom the data becomes understanding or revelation and then you'll be able to bring that into the experiences of life, walking in the knowledge of the wisdom and the understanding, which is application. Amen. Amen. Now go to Matthew 13, and we're coming back here again. But let's go over to Matthew chapter 13. And let's read verses 1 through 9. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him. So he got, out, he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out. Others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. What is that we just read? Parable of the sower, right? This was taught to the multitude. This was not what was taught to the disciples. Remember the disciples came to him later and said, you know, why do you talk to them in those parables and all? And then he explained the parables to the disciples, right? So now think about the multitude that's listening to Jesus talk about this. Israel is a agricultural society. Do you think there's anybody that don't know what he just said? Everybody knows what he just said. We're farmers. What are you talking about? We know how to sow. Was some preacher in a boat going to tell me how to be a farmer? I know how to farm. We've been doing this all of our life. What is he talking about? I came out here to hear this. And yet what he said right there wasn't even the point. It wasn't the point. And this is why he ends up by saying, him who has ears, let him hear. Verse 14 and 15. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of the people has become dull with their ears. They scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and I would heal them. So 
He says they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They can't perceive. Isn't that right? So they have the physical capabilities. Well, don't tell me I can't hear. I've been sitting in church for how many years now? I hear. They had no problem hearing. They had no problem seeing physically. But what's he talking about? Their heart. Their heart has become dull. It means to be thickened and to be fattened. Unable to understand because of being thick-headed. Mm-hmm. Are we impervious? Unable to soak in what he says? Are we non-porous and we can't accept to us, into us what he's saying? Are we obtuse and insensitive to what's being said? Do we hear what's being said in the word and think, oh, I know that. I mean, gee, come on. Who doesn't know this? Where a tree lies, when it falls, that's where it's going to stay. No kidding. No kidding. I need a proverb in the Bible to tell me about this. I need some wise king to write, the wisest man that lit. I need him to write this and tell me that when a tree falls in the forest, where it lays is where it stays. But right after that, he talks about seed sowing. Now, if the tree falls in the forest and that's where it lays and we go, well, duh, we don't that. Then how come we don't get it when he talks about the seed sowing? Because we only hear with our carnal ears. We hear naturally, but we don't know really what he's saying. I can imagine these people here that were listening to him thinking, why is he talking to us like this? Who doesn't know this? What kind of a teaching is this? Oh, I know that. See, I know as much as the teacher knows. Well, yeah, if you're going to live on that level. But the teacher ain't on that level. You're nowhere near him. But that's what you think. When you hear with these ears, these ears and see with these eyes, they knew everything he was talking about, but they never got it. So actually, they knew nothing, although they knew everything. They thought they knew everything, but the bottom line was they knew nothing. Because all they can do is see with their physical ears, eyes, and hear with their physical ears. And therefore, everything they heard and assumed was on a natural carnal level yep, that's true. but what is Jesus talking about spiritual ears that hear and spiritual eyes that perceive seeing through the eyes of faith hearing the ear in the ear in the in the in the realm of the spirit he's talking about being supernatural and not just being natural now if Jesus did not give the revelation to his disciples about what he was talking about and then record it in the word for us to read it, would you get it? Would you have got it? I mean, we're like, oh, yeah, the parable of the sower. Well, sure, it was explained to you. But it wasn't explained to them. So if Jesus didn't explain it to where we hear it, would we get it? And after he did explain it, do you get it? Because he said, if you don't get that, you don't get nothing. Mm. Things to think about. Proverbs 6, 6. That's a Selah moment. I think it's 6 and 7. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler, verse 8, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. Okay? Go to the ant, O sluggard. 
okay, so I need to go shopping. I need to have food in the house because uh, we don't want to go hungry. Is that what he's talking about? What is that whole thing about with the ants? It's about living a disciplined life. You don't discipline yourself just when you need something. By the time the ant needed something in harvest, it's too late. She prepared her food in the summer. She was preparing things in the summer, gathered in the harvest, and then prepared in the summer. Well, what if you're not disciplined and you don't go harvest? What do you have in the summer to prepare? Nothing. So he's talking about being disciplined and do what needs to be done at all seasons and at all times, and don't be a sluggard. Because he said it right there. I mean, that's not my word. That's his word. He said, go to the ant, oh sluggard. Quit slouching and get yourself disciplined. Because if you don't discipline yourself, and this is what we told our kids all the time growing up, when they were growing up, if you don't discipline yourself, life will discipline you, and you are not going to like it. So this is a proverb about living a disciplined life. Proverbs 14.4. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. Well, we don't own ox, so who really cares? But yet I've shared with you how that revelation helped me in my business. Because there's more than what you see with your physical eyes and hear with your physical ears. You got to hear it on the inside and you got to see it through the eye of faith. Isn't that right? Yeah. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, was I not joking? Well, that could give you a head scratch right there. But, you know, I, I, used to re I would read that because I, I had read through Proverbs quite a number of times. And my son was in the habit of saying stuff. And he'd wait and see if he was going to get in trouble. If it looked like he's going to get in trouble for what he said, he'd go, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So one day I sat down with him and I said, son, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows and death is the one who says something and then goes, oh, I was just joking. I said, is that you? He never did that again. He was about eight, nine years old at the time. He never did that again. Stopped in a heartbeat. And what was he learning from that? You need to tell the truth all the time. That's what that's about. Sowing and reaping. And this is why we say you need to meditate on the word. You need to ponder the word. You need to think about the word. Because you need the revelation of it. You don't need to see just what's written on the paper. Right? Amen. Amen. Do we have ears to hear, eyes to perceive, and are we living as a supernatural being? I mean, our Father's supernatural. You ought to have his blood in your veins, right? He, we have his spirit in us. We ought to be living supernatural. We're a supernatural people, a supernatural church. Dear God, would you believe that? Are you with me? Having the data so that you can get revelation and then application of it into your life. Hear it with your physical ear, but then you need to hear it with your spiritual ears and then experience it. When your eyes and your ears are open, then understanding comes. Why could they not get understanding when he talked about that parable? He said, oh, is your heart dull? Therefore, lacking understanding. When your eyes are open, your ears are open, then understanding comes. Now, you've heard Pastor Nid say this, I don't know how many times, over and over and over and over again, until I'm tired of hearing it. She talks about how you need to come to church ready and prepared to hear. 
A lot of times, by the time we get in a position to hear, half the service is over. Because we've been doing whatever. Amen. When our eyes and our ears are open, then understanding will come. And it will bring healing into our life, spirit, soul, and physically. Our whole life. You want your whole life in order? You want your whole life healed? You want your whole life well? You need to give it all to them then. The days of playing are over. The days of being serious are now. Go back to Matthew 11. Verse 29. He said, take my yoke upon, take, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. All right, take my yoke, take it, pick it up, get yoked together, pick up that yoke and yoke together with me by learning from me. For I am gentle. Now, gentle in its use in Scripture has a fuller and deeper significance than it does in non-scriptural Greek writings. And this word gentle does not consist in a person's outward behavior, nor in his relation to his fellow men, as little in his mere disposition. But it is an inwrought grace of the soul, and the exercises of it are first and chiefly towards God. This is about being gentle towards God. Another word is meek. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, meekness. Blessed are the meek. Well, this is what he's talking about, being meek, gentle towards God. It's an inwrought grace of the soul because when you got born again, that grace is in you. It's called character, fruit of the Spirit. And the exercises of it are first and chiefly towards God. It is the temper of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing and resisting. Now, eyes that see and ears that hear knows this for a fact. Not everything that happens in life is God. So I'm not, ex I'm not going to accept the trash and go, well, that's just what God's doing. No, I'm not accepting trash that isn't from God. Let no man say when he is tempted, tested, or tried by evil that he's being tempted, tested, or tried by God. And that word evil means anything that can injure you, anything that can hurt you, anything. It means sickness. It means disease. It means anything that comes from hell. Don't say it came from God. Let no man say it. Well, what about that verse of Scripture that says that we give thanks to God for all things? Well, you give thanks to God for all things he gives you. You don't give thanks to God for all things that somebody else does. It's like Pastor Morgan gives me $100 and I go over and say thanks to Rich. Rich, thank you. Or Rob slaps me upside the head and goes, you know, you need to wake up and get it straight. And I go over to Bob and go, thanks, Bob, for slapping me. I needed that. You don't thank some, somebody for something they didn't give you. Well, why would you thank God for something the devil's throwing at you? The devil has taught you to do that so you don't resist him. But when it comes to God dealing with us, who's good, acceptable, and perfect, then we accept his dealings with us as good. So why would I have trouble accepting his dealings as good Sunday you might want to come but oh thank God for live stream but sometimes God wants you to do something like I want you to go to the assisted living home on December 1st and be part of the Christmas party and bless those people over there yeah. oh, oh I don't really want to do that see now there's something that would be like God's trying to deal with you about something and you don't want to do it. 
But yet the very thing that he's dealing with you about could be the doorway to the blessing he's trying to get to you. But because we don't have eyes to see or ears to hear, we become dull and we resist. Which means what? You are not meek and humble. Hey, I'm talking to myself too. I deal with the same stuff you do. It's us. Right? So the bottom line definition, as we've always said, of being meek and gentle is to remain teachable before God. God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. It is only in the will of God that you will find total fulfillment of life. Amen. So he says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. The word humble means to be in a lowly or low position. It means being insignificant. Ooh, this is hard for the ego of man. But this humbleness has to do with dealing, our dealings with man. Jesus was mild towards other people. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. No reputation. He never looked to advance himself. He never looked to promote himself. All he wanted to do was Father's will. Isn't that right? Jesus was not pompous. He didn't live in an attitude of self-importance. And even when he rebuked the religious leaders, he didn't do it in a rage or a fit of anger. He just told them where it was at. That time when, they, when he got done teaching with them and they wanted to raise him up and make him as a king, he told his disciples, let's get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Because he's not, he's, he's not looking to raise himself up. Because of his gentleness towards God, he only wanted to walk in Father's will and not promote his own self. And because of his humbleness, he didn't look to promote himself among men or even to be noticed. Amen. He said, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart the greek word cardia which means the whole heart spirit and soul the whole inner life life in the spirit life in the thoughts thinks about father's will and doing what father wants him to do he's gentle and and uh, excuse me humble in heart never disputed even in his thinking about what father wanted him to do he was never emotionally upset. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to go do this. No, he was never emotionally upset. He did never set his will against Father's desire. Even when it came to going to the cross, he goes, I don't really want to do this, but your will, what you want, that's what I'll do. If this is the only way we can do this, then I'll do it. Amen. Amen. And he did all of this among men, never looking for self-recognition. How many times did he tell the devil, shut up and don't tell nobody? You be quiet. Oh, we know who you are. Be quiet. Amen. How many times did people get healed? And he said, make sure you don't tell anybody. Well, that's the worst thing you could tell somebody. Don't tell anybody because then they're ready to go tell everybody. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little secret, but don't tell nobody. Before you know it, it's all over the place. You know, because now you're going to go to somebody and go, Somebody told me this, but I'm not supposed to tell you, so make sure you don't tell anybody. You know, and it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The word find is the Greek word heurisko, where we get the word eureka. And it means to find for oneself, to procure it, and to obtain it, to find it by searching. It will not just drop on you. It comes by learning from him and Eureka. All of a sudden, I have found rest. And that word rest is the same word as we saw earlier. Okay, it's the, it's the same exact Greek word, and it means to take a break. Okay. But here, when he says you'll find rest for your soul, he's not talking about just taking a break. 
Now, this word soul is the Greek word suke, whereas the word heart was cardia. Cardia means the whole inner life, spirit and soul. But when he uses the word suke, he's talking about the soul only, which is where we get our word psyche. You will find rest for your psyche. Some people could use a little psyche rest. Amen. So when he says now, learn from me and Eureka, all of a sudden you will find. See, you were, you were never really scratching and got to get it. This is where people make their problem. I got to get this. I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to get a hold of it. That's why you never will. Because yeah. you're so wrapped up in the soulish mental realm, you'll never get it. You are not in that place of rest. He said, come learn from me. Learn, for I am gentle. I am humble. And then as you're learning to walk in me, Eureka, all of a sudden you will find one day that there is nothing but rest in your soul. So he's talking about you'll step into a restful life. You know, sometimes people say, well, how come somebody can believe something and, and they can get a hold of it? Like, but then other times people are just like having a hard time with it. It's your position of rest. Having learned to rest in him. That it doesn't matter if you're believing God for $20, $200, $2,000, or $20,000. It doesn't matter. You're in that restful place. And you know that you know that you know. Rest, a restful life. No matter what you do, there is restful peace from mental toil and mental labor and emotional strain. So that you could be doing all the stuff you've always done all the time before, but now you're doing it from a place of rest. Whereas before you were doing it from a place of fatigued, emotional, mental stress and fatigue. But now you're doing the same exact thing, but now you're doing it from a place of rest. Amen. Free, free from the emotional stress and the mental labor, walking free from the curse. And it produces a strong will in us to be set in the Holy Spirit. No matter what, that that becomes your whole lifestyle. I'm just set in the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Amen. 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 I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Okay. He said, my yoke again, being coupled together with me. Verse 30. My yoke, he says, is easy and my burden is light. Being coupled together with him is easy. And the word easy means to furnish whatever is needed. If you're coupled together with me, I'm not going. Now, this is Jesus talking to you. If you're coupled together with me, I'm not going without. And if you go without, you're going to be dragging me back. Because you're coupled together with me. I'm not going without. You're not going to go without either. Amen. It means to furnish what is needed to give that which is profitable, fit, and good for any use. It is that which is suitable. Now, if you take all those definitions, to me, that sounds like grace. See, we're getting grace released in our life. By grace are you saved through faith, so should we not live by grace through faith? This is about experiencing God's goodness. You know, the more you experience God's goodness, it ought to be an incentive for us to live a holier life. The more we get God's goodness, the more we want to live holy. Not religious, but holy. Are you with me? Amen. And easy. My yoke is easy. The word easy is also the idea of non-pressing. Why? Because God will never force you. You have free will. You can or you don't. You will or you won't. You do or you don't. He'll never force you. 
It's a non-pressing yoking. It's easy. It's easy. If things aren't easy, check your yoke. Now, that doesn't mean you'll never have trials and troubles in life. But you can go through them with fatigue. You can go through them heavy laden. You can go through them weary. Or you can go through them easy. It all depends on if you're yoked to the world or if you're yoked to him. Do you learn from the world or are you learning from him? Could be. My yoke is easy and my burden, the word burden. The life that is expected of us as compared to the ceremonial observances rigorously enacted and increased by human traditions. If you remember, there was all the laws of Moses. And by the time Jesus came, they had added so many traditions that there was over 600 laws on the books that all the religious people who didn't live by it themselves expected everybody else to live by. So this is all the ceremonial observances that was rigorously enacted and then increased by human traditions. So a life in Christ is non-burdensome. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's easy to endure. It is not difficult. Not difficult. Amen. Hallelujah. It means it's easy and without trouble. Because when you're living for the Lord and living with the Lord and you're living by faith, that's what pleases God. And you're living a life pleasing to him. And as far as he's concerned, all is well. Amen. He does not require great mental strain of effort or work. He requires that we do things, but there's no mental strain or effort to it. It's easy and it's light. Why, why is it that when God wants us to do something or we see something in the word that we need to change, why is it not easy? We might not be willing to. But there's other answers to that, which you could probably find out Sunday. The just shall live by, so it's non-burdensome life. Living by faith is a non-burdensome life. If I've heard it once, I've heard it thousands of times from people over the last 42 years. This life of faith is so hard. Sorry. Sorry. You trying to do it out of the flesh is tremendously tough. But a life of faith is easy, non-burdensome. Amen. So if we were going to paraphrase what we just read in Matthew 11, it would say this. Come to me as an action of faith in your condition of being weary, fatigued, or burdened, even in the midst of battle. And I will give you a break so you can sit momentarily and be refreshed. Pick up my yoke and be coupled together with me instead of the world's tyrannical system. And as you do, get my instruction and press in for understanding. As I am gentle and meek towards God and humble before his man, you can learn to live also in this way out of your heart, living a peaceful life. This is not a life of ignoring problems, but even in the middle of them, Eureka. You will find for yourself living in rest in your soul from the mental toil, laboring, and emotional strains of life. You will see that being coupled together with me, I will furnish what is needed and bring all that is profitable and good for any use in life. I put no heavy burdens on you and, you, and do not require great mental strain of effort or work. And Jesus said it very plainly in John chapter 6. The work of God is believe. Believe. Amen. This is one of the, Matthew 11 here, these verses, is one of the great verses where Jesus talks about discipleship. Our life is to be a life of discipleship. Continual, ongoing process 
of discipleship. We have been given the absolute privilege and honor of being able to grow in Christ. You understand that is a privilege and an honor to learn directly from him. Wow. From his word and from his spirit, by his anointing that teaches us all things. We can walk out of a life of bondage into freedom. From heavy burdens to being yoked to a life that is easy to bear and easy to endure. Amen. That's what discipleship is all about. Every disciple of Christ is a born again saved person. But not every saved person is a disciple. Come to him in the life of the believer. Learn from him is the life of a disciple. Let me say that again. Come to him is the life of the believer. But learning from him is the life of the disciple. It does not happen automatically. It will not just fall on us. But learning is the key to discipleship. Doing what you've learned is the key to the blessing. As we are disciples to walk just like Jesus walked. So let me say that again. Learning is the key to discipleship. Doing what you learned is the key to the blessing. Because when you do it, you're walking in a dis dis disciplined life, walking like Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just want that to soak in. I just want it to soak into you right now. Be porous. Let it soak into you. Surely just sitting there and all that you've heard, you don't understand all that you've heard, but receive it into you. Just declare that I receive that into me. And when you receive it, then you're going to go back and you're going to read it. You're going to go back and you're going to hear it. You're going to go back and you're going to study it so that you can get it in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I receive that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And just in these few verses, we can see that we can make some choices and decisions that will be the first step in changing our life, turning our life in a different direction, bringing us to a place where things are better in life because you are better. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's freedom from the world system. You came to unbind us from the works of the devil. And it's an ongoing process that we continue to step out of the world system and step in to what you have as we learn from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you're on live stream or podcast, just, just let that soak into you right now, right where you're at. Just let that anointing soak into you. Just receive that to yourself. And you'll see that when you go back and study it and read it, it'll come even more alive on the inside of you. It'll empower you. It'll release the grace of God into your life. There's nothing like discipleship. Remember, the disciples got the revelations. Amen. Amen, amen. Father, I thank you. I bless you and I praise you, Father. I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you that everybody in the sound of my voice that has received from you tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. That it's your anointing, Holy One, that comes on that word and makes the difference. You said that you could even talk to your people in stammering lips because it's not the lips that makes the difference, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
Say this with me. Today, I decide to break the yoke off from the world system and yoke together with my Lord. I decide today that I will learn from him on a regular basis, on a continual basis, that I will be the disciple that he wants me to be. That my eyes will open more, my ears will open more, and I will see, I will perceive, I will hear, because I am chosen today to step into the place of being a disciple. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Praise God forevermore. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come before you to sow our seed, Father. I thank you that there's promise attached to seed sowing, that you'll increase the harvest that comes from our righteous acts of giving. And Father, I thank you so much that whether we're coming with a seed, coming with first fruits, coming with a tithe, there is promise attached to it all. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us the free will to choose to bring it to you as an offering. And I thank you that you're always ready to extend your hand to bless and to watch over your word to perform it. Thank you, Lord, that as increase comes into our life, we're able to do more that you would have us to do. We're able to be more obedient to the things you want us to do and that we'll be freer to be a blessing to others as you continue to bless us. We thank you for it and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 If you joined us on live stream, thanks for being with us today. If you're on podcast, wherever you may be out there online, so glad that we could all join together. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you can go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. I thank in advance for the seed that you sow. And I believe with all my heart that if you will step into the things that we talked about tonight, you're going to see major differences take place. That all of a sudden you're going to just look one day and you're going to go, Eureka, I am living a life of rest and peace in my soul. Hallelujah. 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 Before we uh, uh, pray over the 